Read in the bed in bed. Read in the bed in bed. Read in the bed well, Amanda. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's was wondering. Amanda has habits of Anthony. She goes into one syllable conversations with me. Don't you, Amanda? Is this not the one syllable podcast? Nope. You does it about five nope. in that one, so. <laughs> oh well, well, podcast. Yeah. Bye. See you next month, everybody. Bye. Now, of course. <laughs> seriously, this is Reading in Bed. She is, this month anyway, Amanda Steele. And who am I? You're Andy N. Andy. And next month, I'm going to be somebody else. Wow. Dun, yes, you dun, dun. yes, you will be, won't you? Yeah. I first found you think of the day, so I guess you will be, won't you? Do you want to tell people, Amanda? Well, the next episode will go out. When we're not even here, we'll be in yeah. two places at once. Magic. <laughs> and I will Could no longer be around the God, No, we're not doing that our wedding song, Amanda, okay? That was a big clue now, but that was happening now, Amanda, so. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, as of Monday the 4th of September, when the next episode of Reading in Bed, episode 45 of all things, is due, what's happening, Amanda? Well, it's the sixth when it's due, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sixth. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. On the fourth of September. Sorry, yes. The fourth of September, we're getting married. The sixth of September, when it's due, we'll be on our honeymoon. So we'll be scheduling the release because we won't be here to press all the little buttons. No, and we certainly won't be like keen on them. I was wondering. No, we're not we're not doing it from a hotel room doing book reviews that time. It'd be ridiculous, right? So yeah. live from Travel Lodge. <laughs> yeah. We're not saying where, okay, because we want to keep a surprise. Confidentiality. Yeah. So but anyway, before we get to that, obviously, besides the fact Amanda is recording at Amanda N next month, aren't you? Or Mandy N, just to really confuse people. Oh, now, possibly outing you with your surname. I know, yeah. Which has been a carefully, carefully marketed hidden secret for another 20 years. I'm going to get outed next month. But anyway, listen. What writing news have you got to I'm continuing with my 12 projects in 12 months. And the latest one is the From the Shadows anthology. Yeah. Did you have, didn't you have something out, and there's something out in July or am I getting mixed up? I had, I think it's, yeah, two things I had in July. Well, the From the Shadows came out as pre-order, but it's not available to buy until the 27th of August, but you can pre-order it now. And the other thing was um, the Alicia Black book. Alicia Black is my pen name for the women's fiction book that I write. And that's come out as an audio book, Lost and Found Part 1. Rather good as well, everybody, so... Maybe from the shadows is even better. Most because I'm in it, but that's the material, isn't it? Oh, yeah, so. The two completely different books. Yeah, of course. Different stuff that I write. If you're like one of them, you probably won't like the other. Yeah. Now, if people are wondering, obviously, what is from the shadows? There's including me, you, and Maria who helped us. There's 31 different authors, and they've all got a poem or a short story published, and it's either crime or horror. And sometimes it keeps you guessing to the end whether it's actually a crime and it's a human that's committed it or there's a monster. 
And so, and what else, what is happening in relation to that? There's a launch, isn't there? Uh, hopefully there's a launch. There's going to be some kind of launch. I don't know what the launch is yet. It depends on the authors wanting to go to it. Yeah. Because it turns out it's highly illegal to go to authors, kidnap them from their beds and force them to do a launch, strangely enough. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. So, anyway, so that's in the future of that one. So watch your space. Keep an eye on the printed words page on Facebook for more details on that matter, isn't it? Now, what other news have we got, Amanda? Going for more further things. I have no idea. <laughs> You're so very funny. You think yeah. I'm getting married to this girl next month? And we've just been discussing off air 10 minutes ago what else we would be mentioning, and she's completely forgotten. So I love it, I love it. She clearly does faith, goes in one ear, out of the other. Yeah, that's uh, why we're so alike. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good job it's audio only there, okay? Now, Amanda, what joint projects are we in discussion about doing at the moment? Yeah, we're going to do a winter sort of Christmas-themed book, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I've sent all my stuff over to Amanda for that other day, which is a collection of some humorous and some very funny flash fiction and poems. And you're still sorting your side out at the moment, aren't you, so? Yeah, I found four to go with it, and I'll probably write some more. I know we've spoken about continuing our little workshop, just the two of us, until September. So I'm going to try and write some more pieces when we do that. Good. And should we tell people the name of the book? It's going to be The Christmas Lights Were All We Could See. Correct. Now, also as well, we're also working on, anybody remember it from a couple of years ago, we did an, a little joint collection of seven-word poems, all interlinked into one longer poem, didn't we? Yeah. That was called Run Away With Me in Seven Words. Now, always tickles me with this one. Hi, Dave. It's Dave Harley. I'm saying this straight away. We had a word with a few people we know to ask them to write little blurbs on the back of the book. And I always remember Dave in this one actually writing a seven-word blurb at the corner of the back of the book for us. It was absolutely stupendous. Yeah, he did a choice of them, didn't he? He said, pick whichever one you like. Yeah. And they were all seven words long. Absolutely brilliant. Now, everyone's wondering about that. We have a sequel at the moment, which we're writing, Amanda, aren't we? Yeah. And what's that called? Run away with me again in eight words. Yeah, no one notices that's eight words this time. So we're doing eight-word poems and so the seven-word poems. I've got to write my next bit tonight, later on today, and that's what, probably about half done on that, aren't we, probably, Amanda? So yeah. maybe a little bit more. So watch your space. So that's ongoing as well. I've run a bolt out another haiku book last month for... Called the book would have called Life. What do they call it? Life of Haiku, Amanda. Didn't I? My mind's going blank. Um, haiku of Life. Haiku yeah, of Life. That was it. I'm getting mixed up here. Uh, haiku of Life. And that was 50 haiku poems all about my life. And on top of that, I've also got a bolt out as well. These got one of these got delayed for a bit through Amazon. I'm not going to say which. I also bought out a collection of the first collection of my articles that were on the Sunday Tribune. Which the website's just gone down again now, unfortunately. The Arts Magazine, right? I had a weekly column going from last April, and that's called Adventures of Word and Sound, Volume One. So the second volume is going to come probably towards the end of the year. So I said, said on the, always on the go, we are under, aren't we? So, yeah. But what are we doing again today for people? We're doing Reading in Bed, Episode 44. Yep. Yeah, and 
do you want to tell people the first book we're going to review tonight? It's a joint book as well. It's called Zombie Evolution by Edmund Gianta, if that's how you pronounce it. I think it sounds right, doesn't it? So, right, uh, do you want me to do the blurb or would you like to do it? Um, I can read the blurb if you want. Go for it. Okay, she is a fiery descendant of Dracula. He is an Icelandic ex-special forces. And then there is Eve, their five-year-old. When Gabby is infected by a zombie, devastated and heartbroken, Ray does the impossible to save her. Only she turns into something else. The next step in human evolution. A new female superhero emerges from the ashes of a post-apocalyptic America. While the new Gabby is hunted by the US military, hoping to develop a cure from her DNA, Eve is the one holding the key to the unique bloodline. Right, okay. Now, this is going to be an interesting review, this, because I know we've got conflicting opinions on this, Amanda, haven't we? Yeah. So, right, I think we're going to stick to as we always do with this, the strengths and weaknesses. Now... I'm going to start off, and I know Amanda might disagree with quite a bit on what I'm going to say here. So, everyone's wondering, this could be reading in bed, punch up. <laughs> could they, Amanda? So, <laughs> yeah. now, seriously, um, I felt personal with this one. I thought the book got off to a good start with this, and I felt it was, um, it was fairly action-packed throughout. I thought Ray reminded me a lot of Jack Reacher, and then we went on to everybody else. So, Amanda, tell people, obviously, what you thought of the characters then, first of all, then. We'll talk about from the beginning. I didn't really connect with anybody. Yeah, I know you had a lot of trouble with this book, and I've got problems with it. But tell, tell people why you didn't connect to this book, Amanda. Now. They're just, I mean, obviously, it's a fiction book, and it's a fictional situation, but I just didn't feel like they were very well-rounded. Yeah, it's one of those ones where with the book itself, we're going to have to basically merge around between strengths and weaknesses there, Amanda, aren't we, straight away? I don't think you've got a lot of positive things to say about this book, have you? I, the only thing I've got down as a strength is that I liked the idea of it before I started reading it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting idea, because like it's where they merged into it, the myths of vampires and zombies and creators tried to create something different from it. Yeah. But it feels like somebody's been watching Walking Dead and Van Helsing and thought, hmm, I could kind of like merge these two together and put a little bit of twist on it and try and make it different and hope nobody notices. Yeah, that's dead right with that. And I've used a comparison of Jack Reacher for the husband character. There's definitely, he was clearly like, designed as design man as a built brick shit house, basically, wasn't he? Plowing through dozens of zombies. And it was... It was a guilty pleasure for me, don't you? That's why the first half of the book, certainly. And it's when it got to later on with it. So now I said it was because I like I tell you what I did like about it. The thing I did like, I thought the the prologue was really good. That was set back in the, the past, wasn't it? Where obviously like yeah. you're looking back at the origin origins of our Dracula and stuff like that. I felt it set things up okay then, but it was it went a bit downhill probably fairly quickly, John G, that's why. So because I think you liked the first the first part of the book, didn't you? Before you got off to a good start, didn't you? But then it went downhill quickly for you as well. 
Yeah. And I like the scene that you said as well, that you liked about them clash about the guy clashing the zombies' heads together. Yeah. And then later on in the book, he uses the exact same scene again. Yeah, that and was like it lacked imagination, I think. Like, couldn't you think of anything better? And he's like just doing the same thing again. Yeah. I felt by the end of the book, the book was running out of steam. And then and if I'm honest in this one, did you what I had problems with the actual the bonus features, you know, the second part of the second book. Because on the second book itself, which had a fairly sizable chunk of certainly the Kindle version I had, it started giving like characterization to two of the head creatures that obviously like we had been turned, hadn't they? And it was really flat. Really, I felt it wasn't really developed very well at all that bit. So well, once I got past the first book, I didn't even read the preview of the second book. I did, and it was one of the ones I got to the end of the first book, and I thought so. It was it was okay. I thought it wasn't bad. But then, like, it lost it on the second book for me completely, and I can't recommend it for that reason. Because I, I thought the characterization was dicky. That's a good word, because how did you feel about the dialogue of the major female lead in it, Amanda? Gabby? I thought it was really cringy when she starts calling her husband my lover. And it's just like, just making me cringe, to be honest. I threw up all over my laptop. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, it was too much. It was a real bomber that there was, yeah. And I didn't buy that bit. First of all, I didn't buy it. There wasn't that chemistry between the pair of them when she turned. And I felt the dialogue in it was really stilted from her side of things. That's why. And I felt myself, it was like, I don't know, it seemed like two completely different sort of characters, which is fair enough, but then you've got to build them back up again. You're trying to build build their memories and perhaps that should be done over books, not with a very creepy, like, my lover. And you thought myself, if he turns on hooks, is she going to bite him? <laughs> or does yeah. it kill him? You? So I, I had that sort of feeling, and I thought myself, the chemistry, the dynamics of the two characters had changed completely, and then it. Yeah, well, if she Not had turned bad. around and bit him, if she turned around and bit him and killed him, and then she'd been like impaled by a big stick or something by the US military, I wouldn't have minded so much. <laughs> what are you like? Now, it's not hard to say this one, obviously, because she gets reanimated, reanimated what, two thirds of the way into the book in some kind of God knows what creature. But how do you feel about the scenes, Amanda, when she started controlling all these other zombies and stuff? and and it touch told the zombies to turn on ones that she couldn't convert. I just found it a bit. Yeah, I think the problem is though, when you've got something like it's the same with superhero things, there's got to be some kind of weakness as well, because otherwise it's just like, well, there's a problem. I'm just gonna solve it with my superpower. And it's like there's no risk or reason for the reader to think, oh, I've got to keep reading because I don't know if this is gonna turn out. You just think, oh, well, she's just going to solve that. Yeah, that was the problem I had with it because it's somewhat I've I've struggled a bit with my my fantasies myself, and it was where like I've got like obviously I've, I've got fantasies on the go where I've got a warlock as a main musician, main character, a very deeply flawed man, and he's got a nine foot demon bodyguard. I mean, dealing with something like that is how you build up. You've got to keep building higher and higher, haven't you? With the enemies that go against them, and yeah, otherwise it gets ridiculous. 
Yeah, you have to make the readers think that there's some kind of risk. Otherwise, it's just they're not going to be concerned for the character. Yeah, that's what problem I have with it. Now, I've seen this seven books in this series. It looks, does like it ups the ante, but I've got the, I was reading them and I thought, it's just getting more and more ridiculous. It just, I didn't buy it. And when they started humanizing the zombies in the second book, it was very sketchily done. And I didn't buy it at all. And that was, there is a problem with the characterization in that, that first book straight away with it. And I didn't necessarily, are you right? I like Jenkins as a character. And I didn't mind that raid, the bloke read, but the rest of it, no, didn't get it at all, to honest you. You weren't happy with the characterization of the, that raid towards Evie's daughter, were you? No, I could understand like a father being concerned for his daughter, but it was part of being on creepy, really, the way he kept thinking about her, like, oh, my beautiful, beautiful girl, oh, my precious, precious daughter. And it's like, I don't really think like normal fathers think like that, and it's just a bit weird. Yeah, I was reading up on it, and I'm not sure. I think this book, might, these books might have been translated. From what I can understand, it's, English isn't the, guy, the writer's first language. So that's why, but it's still, it's one of those ones where I think on paper it could have worked, but I think in reality it was a completely different ball game, wasn't it? Yeah. That's why, so it's, is there anything else you want to say about this book, Amanda, before we mark it? No, I don't think so. I think I've torn it to pieces as much as I can. <laughs> um, I yeah, I was thinking, well, there's one other thing I want to bring up about this one. I felt the book needed a bit more of a human touch to it because obviously like the two main leads in it were basically unstoppable monsters in their own way, weren't they? Yeah. And I was reading I was thinking along the line of the Anita Blake books, you know, the vampire execution books I like. They work, they go over the top, but you've got a female lead in the middle of it who's got You've got you can feel her emotions in it, and it gives that human touch, no matter when things are going up or down. And I, I that was lacking from this book, and it was a big, big hole for me. It was. I think mean, you need to give it that human heart, don't you? So, and books. Yeah. That's why it was like I said. But uh, that's all I've got to say. So, Amanda, what are you going to give this book a mark on? I'm giving it a two out of ten. Wow. Wow. It's the lowest I've given a book in a long time. Wow. Uh, well, I can't, I, can't, I can't recommend it, like I said. I was a bit dicky in the carrots in the first book, but the second extract proved to me it's not going to... It's not, you might get for the first book and think it was reasonable like I did, but the extract killed it on the second book, so I can't recommend it. Five out of ten. Cannot okay. recommend it at all. So, but, and I, hate, I hate having to do that as well. But I said to guys and girls, as you can see, we've both actually hated a book for once, and it's where do we rare we do that, Amanda, isn't it? So yeah. Anyway, but we're gonna take a quick break. Who is me first this time, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, do you want a hint about yeah. what's coming? Man's a book. It's a book. Wow. It's a book. it's a book, yeah. We've not had one of those on this show before. No, it's very rare this one. Anyway, yeah, and it's set in another <laughs> world as well. Not as nasty as this world, but it's not what well, it probably is actually thinking about it. It's another post-apocalyptic book, unfortunately. So right, okay, guys and girls. We'll take a quick break then. Amanda. Hi. Cha-cha. So long. Farewell. Reading and reading and bed. 
Welcome back to Reading in Bed with me, Amanda Steele, and... Andia. Okay, on to book number two, my first solo book this month. Now, it seems to happen with the two solo books I've done this month where I've actually reviewed books by both of these authors before, actually, for Reading in Bed. So the first one I'm going to do is the new one. It's not a new book. The book came out last year by M.R. Carey, the book of Coley. Do you want the blurb, Amanda? Yeah. Okay, this is the blurb. Beyond the walls of the small village of Merton Road lies an unrecognisable world, a world where overgrown forests are filled with choker trees and deadly vines and seeds that will kill you where you stand. And if they don't get you, one dangerous shunned men will. Kola has lived in Merrin Road his entire life. He knows the first rule of survival is you don't venture beyond the walls. What he doesn't know is what happens when you ain't given a choice. The first in a gripping new trilogy, the book of Kola charts the journey of one unforgettable young boy struggling to find his place in a chilling, post-apocalyptic world. Sounds good. So you read the other book, haven't you, by Emma Carey, The Girl with the Gifts? I've read, I've read all these books, actually, don't you? Yeah. yeah, he's done them, The Girl with the Gifts, and he's the sequel to that, Boy Under the Bridge. I done another two books on top of that, so, yeah, I've read all of them, so, yeah. So is this better or worse or different in some other way? I think I prefer The Girl with the Gifts, don't you? The Girl, I'm going to go talk about a theme now on this one today, but it's the heart of it. I struggled a lot with this book, don't you? It had its good points, but there's things I didn't like about this book. Does that make sense, does it? Yeah. It's where, it's a book like The Girl with the Gifts is set in like the world when it goes to hell. This one's set a couple of hundred years later, where Cola, with whom he lives in a small town of about 200 people, located in a place called Ingland. And that wasn't revealed until very late on either, that. And yeah. it's a town that's surrounded by walls because everything outside kill. Which is more curious because Cole is the youngest son of the, the town's woodsmith. So you work out the fun that happens there, don't you? Mm. That's why. So, is there anything else you want to say, Amanda? To carry on? Um, yeah, I'll just say start with the good points first. Okay. Well, the book itself is, as all, as all series do, you're doing trilogies and stuff. The first book is a huge setup, really, and it focuses on the lad leaving the town, heading in, heading on to the main part of the story, which is coming on book two, where he learns that terrible secret about the most powerful family in the town and gets banished. It's not obvious this book, Amanda, because you know, I mean, you, you, you not you read the first book of some series, it doesn't give you anything away straight away, does it? No. This one's like that way. It took a couple. It's about, I think it's 450 pages. It took to well over to the halfway point before we began. You give me any sort of hints of what's going on, and it was it was a funny book for that reason because the pacing seemed a bit weird, really. But you'd have liked it where the trees and this one, because the trees in it were literally, literally killers. All right. That's why it's like the trees are like monsters waiting outside the villages for you. So as soon as like you step out the trees and the sun's out. Oh get you. Bad trees. 
bad trees, yeah. <laughs> you have to wait till it's raining and stuff, and then we can go out then. So, which in England is probably, probably, probably very probable, isn't it? Oh, so, you'll be all right most of the time, yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> because everywhere else is, you've got a problem. So, but it's the mystery seems to be in it when it starts, little bits of technology start coming into it from our world. And then it comes apparently slowly, it's much further along for a couple hundred years in the future, and something bad's happened. Well, was this an easy book to get into, or did it take a no, while to get I've to really, the... I've really struggled with this book, I did. Really, really struggled with it. The other two books I've done this month, I've read them, whether I liked them or not, were much easier to read. This took about a better part of a month to read. But it's because of the, the way the dialogue was set. They were doing a lot of the colloquialisms on the language. He set, he basically set up his own language, and it made yeah. the writer add and it was very, very difficult to keep up with what the characters wanted to be saying sometimes because it was yeah. a bit inconsistent in places, that's why. I always think when you've got an author like this who's done other successful books and I've, at least one of them turned into a hmm. film, it's like normally they just automatically get published, you know, without having to go through the process that other authors have to go through. So if, just say you were a publisher, and you got contacted by this author and there were an unknown author rather than being famous and you read the first chapter, would you decide to publish it based on that or ask for the rest of the book? I would struggle, I would struggle with it. I struggled with the whole book, John. I felt it was all written, but it was too long-winded and I felt a lot of it was a setup. If it had been one book, I could have well seen him. being a fairly good book and he would have covered... There's 450 pages and about 100. Then you can move on to the other second part with the third part quite easy. But it was clear, because if you look at the publishing dates of this, Amanda, this one came out in April last year. Part two came out in September last year. And the third part came out in March this year. So if you get that sort of like publishing, they've obviously all been wrote, haven't they? But yeah. That's why. I think it's like it was 1,200 pages he's wrote or something, 450 pages of the book. You would have thought it had been heavily outlined. He'd probably, as soon as he got permission for the series, he would have probably spent about two years writing it. I think his last novel came out in 18, or something, 2018, or maybe 19 even. So he's probably took it's probably about two years' work there, if you know what I mean, you're a novelist. Yeah, so are you likely to read the other book? So you're just going to leave it at this point? Uh, right, well, I'm going to, should I go to the Windsors? I'm just covering yeah. bits and pieces there that one so it's it was one of those ones where the end of it the last 50 to 100 pages it seemed to pick up and the last 50 page I thought was really good and the, the 50 before that one bad and it just took a long time to get to the good point good bits and by the end of it you set things up nicely for the second book with possible rich backing cast as well which could lead to serious goals and it's really difficult because I said for the inverted dialect to use it was very annoying and it wasn't used consistently. And I don't know, it just lost it lacked the richest richness of a girl with the gifts and his previous series, all the Felix Caster series, which I need to get you to read sometime, because that's about um very like John Constantine, basically, but by an exodus exodus in London who's got problems, right? So yeah. that's why that's a fantastic series. I cannot recommend the Felix Caster series enough. But this, it lacked the richness and richness of both of them. It was, just, it was out. That's why it was. And I do have the second book, actually. I downloaded them both, The Trials of Coley. I'll probably give it a go. I think I'm going to give it a go. 
I mean, well, as once I've got it, hoping yeah. it will improve. Whether it will, you tell me. I don't know. I didn't write it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, it's before you talk to your question, if you've struggled with the first 300 odd pages of a 450 page book and the last 100 it picks up a bit, would you give the second book a go? I'd probably not. I wouldn't bother. I know. I was, I was very, very disappointed this book was. It wasn't as bad as the zombie book we just reviewed, but I did struggle with this book. I felt it was a book that should have been a lot better than it was because the writer's a very, very good writer. Yeah. But it's one of those things, right? So. Okay. okay. Is there anything else you want to know, Amanda? No. So do you want to give it a mark out of 10? What do you reckon I want to give it? I'm really not sure. Go give me give me a number, then. give me a number. Then. That's six or seven. It's not seven, it's six point five. I think it just misses out. It's I had to judge it from the previous book, the zombie, which I didn't really enjoy. This one I thought it was better, but no, not great, no great shakes, so that makes makes sense, doesn't it? So yeah. It's what it is. So. Okay, Amanda. That's me done. Okay. Right, on to part three. Amanda, what hints have you got? I've got a hint that if you just follow the rule, everything will be okay. Which means you probably don't and you end up with all kinds of crap, yeah. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, see you in a minute, guys. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Read in a bed. Read in a bed. Hello, guys and girls. It is Reading in Bed, episode 44. She is, at least this oh, month, Amanda Steele. <laughs> I am Andy N. And now we're over to Amanda's and there's a second solo book. It's not. It's a first solo book this month. Over to you, Amanda. Okay, so this is called The Rule, and it's by David Jackson. And do you want me to read the blurb? Yes, please. Daniel is looking forward to his birthday. He wants fish and chips, a chocolate caterpillar cake, and six comics starring his favourite superhero. Daniel will be 23 next week and he has no idea that he's about to kill a stranger. Daniel's parents know that their beloved and vulnerable son will be taken away. They know that Daniel doesn't mean to hurt anyone. They dispose of the body. Isn't that what any loving parent would do? But as forces on both sides of the law begin to close in on them, they realise they have no option but to finish what they started, even if it means that others will have to die, because they'll do anything to protect him, even murder. Have you reviewed anything by this guy with gentleman before? Yeah, I reviewed The Resident last year, which was, was the about book? a serial killer hiding in people's houses where the attics were all joined together. Oh, you did. Sounds like you rung a bell this book then for a second, that's why, so... I remember you describing that first book as a very, very disturbing book. So That was one of my favourite books of last year. But it was disturbing, wasn't it? So, right, Which is okay. why I like it. <laughs> oh, exactly. We know what you're like then. Okay, then. Now, I'll have to ask you then, obviously. You, how did this book compare to the previous book? This was a very different, with a very different kind of characters in there. The last one focused on the killer, but it was a psychopath and he had serious issues. This is a different kind of killer because he's a vulnerable 23-year-old who has learning difficulties. 
and he doesn't mean to kill anyone and his parents tried to hide the fact from him that he's killed someone because he'd be upset. Hmm. So yeah, it sounds like so it sounds like it's is it very, very is it almost like a completely different book than basically or does it feel like the same author still? I think it did feel like the same author in places, but it is focusing on very different type of a, a killer. Yeah. Okay, well give us a strength to the book then, Amanda. Okay, we're not gonna not gonna answer that yet. I think it makes you think in some ways, because obviously if they went to the police, then the best case scenario you can hope for is that he would be taken into a cell and he'd be questioned and it'd upset and confuse him and he wouldn't have his parents there to support him. And even if they decided, you know, it was some kind of self-defence, he was protecting his dad, he'd probably be locked up in an institute because they'd say, well, if he can accidentally kill someone, then we'll have to lock him up for other people's safety. So there's no like real outcome to it where we can just walk away free and say, oh, we understand you didn't mean to kill anyone. So that's why the parents understand that and they try to cover it up and hide it from the police. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, is there anything else strength-wise in this book you want to carry on with? I've got a question I'll ask you about this, but I'll come on to that probably more on the weaknesses. I really like the character of Daniel. He's like, it gets, he lives on an estate, so there's a lot of rough people about him, drug dealers, and a lot of people take the mickey out of him because of his learning difficulties. But he's just very childlike and innocent, and he gets really upset when he finds out what he's done. And he's not like violent or wanting to hurt anybody. So he feels sorry for him in a way because he's had this happen to him where he's accidentally killed someone and they didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah. That's my that's major question behind it, really, because I think when you're doing this sort of book like that, the narrative, you've got to... I'm using that word again here, it's the third part of the prop, is the, the, the most the connectability, isn't it? The heart of the book. Because if you just portrayed him as a, what, what, a bastard, put any better word, I think people would have struggled with this book, wouldn't they? You've got to, you've got to get to people who are sorry for the character, and we're right with that. Yeah, so it's a different way to the first book where the killer, it sort of delves into his background, and you can see how he's become a killer, but you don't feel sorry for him now because he's just clearly, you know, psychotic. This one is just, it's it's a lot more, there's a lot more of a grey area. Sounds like it as well, with it straight away with that. What I'm interested to know in this book as well, Amanda, is um, didn't you get this off one of your reading websites or something? Am I imagining things here? Yeah, I got it from Pigeonhole. Yeah, now anyone's wondering what is Pigeonhole like? So it's free to sign up, even though they've started a Patreon thing now where you can get guaranteed acceptance onto all the books, but you can sign up for free and apply for a place reading the books. And if you get accepted, it's usually over 10 days where you get a section each day to read. Yeah. So how did this feel then, this book then, reading it and that sort of thing? Was it a book where you could have read more of it in one go or it was 10 days about right for you? Yeah, I would, I would have read more. I probably would have read it in about five days if I had the actual book in front of me. And the way it was ending and I was often like waiting for the next day and thinking oh no I hope Daniel's going to be alright yeah. <laughs> even though he's a fictional character Now if anyone's wondering with these sites isn't there usually as well like a forum between people who post com comments about the book each day isn't there? People can post comments by the side of it so as you're reading you'll see a number by the side 
But I think I was reading a lot of it on my phone and the way I have to zoom in on it, I just try to ignore those because it's a bit more complicated trying to see them on my phone and then going back to the reading. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was right over that. So, yeah. So, obviously, I can't ask you then, basically, what do people think of the book? But certainly. Anyway, what were the weaknesses in this book for you, Amanda? Was there any? There weren't really any weaknesses. Um, I know you'll know that I don't like books that solely focus on, like, a detective or police officer. And it's it was 50-50, I think. It was split between the narrative of, like, Daniel and his family and the drug people. Well, I'm not going to try, try not to ruin too much. But the, the friends or family of the druggie that, the, that Daniel accidentally kills. And then there was also the narrative of the policewoman that's trying to solve the murder. But it was done in a way where it wasn't really cliche. Like last month, I can't remember what it was that we read now, but it was very cliche with the detective that was trying to solve the murder or whatever it was. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Now I get completely. So, yeah, I'm saying completely about that. So, okay. Is there anything on the weaknesses that otherwise you want to talk about? No, I think everything was just really well written. Okay, so. I'm guessing then with this one, it's going to be a reading about a recommendation. So do you want to give us the mark? Yeah, it's not quite as good as The Resident, but it's a different kind of story. So I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Well, that's very good then. So do you, I'm guessing, obviously, when he reads his third book out then, do you think you'll, you will at least consider reading it, won't you? Yeah, definitely, because when I first saw this come on to Pigeonhole, I've been trying not to read too many on there now because I've got a backlog of books on my Kindle and in the bookcase and in a big box and scattered all over the flat yeah. that I'm trying to get round to. But as soon as I saw this, I thought, I've got to try and get a place reading that. I need to read that. <laughs> but uh, I said, nine out of ten is it's the best recommendation we've had this month so far, definitely. So that's why. So, oh, well done. Well done. So, okay. That's the end of part three. What comes next, Amanda? You're next. I'm next, and do you want a hint? Yeah. Magic. That's my big hint. So should we let people wonder what I'm on about? Yeah. I've got that song in my head now. Come but I'm not going to sing it. I better stop it now because I, I can't do take my impressions. Right? So we'll, <laughs> we'll see you one minute, guys. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Reading and reading and bed. Welcome back to reading in bed. He's Andy N. And who am I? <laughs> she is soon to be Amanda N. But for this month, is Amanda Steele. Part four is my second solo book of the month, isn't it, Amanda? Yeah. And what do you want to know? I want to know what the book's called and who it's by. Okay, Michael Moore Pergo, and the book is called, and it's got two names in this book, but the one I'm going to call it is Arthur High King of Britain. Okay, so is there a blurb for this? Yes, there is, okay. Marooned on a sandbank, a boy faces certain death with the sea closing in and the current about to drag him to a watery grave. His final wish is to see heaven. Waking in a strange bed, the boy meets an old man sitting by a fire with his dog. It is King Arthur, the great warrior of legend. And from his lips, the boy hears a Camelot, 
chivalry, magic, evil, and betrayal. Okay. So, haven't you read the Neva books by this author? Yes, I've read a few actually. Well, I've re- I think I've I think I've reviewed just two of us reading in bed, and that was why the whales come and escape, which is Sher Lang, and they were both brilliant, really, really good, short, concise books. Particularly why the whales come, where but both of them were good because they were like set in realistic start times, usually about thirties or forties, and dealing with children, dealing with like proper problems. This one's completely different. I'm sure you can guess, can't you? We're talking about King Arthur. <laughs> yeah. That's why. So it's, what do you want to know? Let's start with the good points. Okay. Uh, well, you can say, well, obviously, with the Wild the Whales Come, and get the Shalangar, both said before, set in modern setting, and both are certainly more softer and subtle in pieces, places. This one's very different because it's focused on the legend of King Arthur. What we said before, when a young boy wakes up in a cave, meets Arthur, sits down and tells him his story. And the difference here is the child, instead of being the narrator, is the vehicle for him to tell the story. Now, yeah. is there any questions you want me to ask, you want to ask Amanda, about specific characters and legends of Arthur? So you, 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 know, you know some of the major characters from Merlin, the TV series, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I watched Merlin and I used to like, him and Guinevere. Yeah. I've forgotten the name of the knights now. I'm not, I'm, I could be very rude there, but I'm not going to be right. <laughs> good, good night and bad night. <laughs> no, I was thinking of Lancer. Right. So, no, Lancelot. Lancer. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's. Nice. What else do you want to know, Amanda? Seriously, from your voice on. Yeah, so which characters were in the book that I would know? Or even yeah, ones that was, I wouldn't know? There was a few, a few I didn't know too much of it. So, but if you do your research on King Arthur, it started Legend of Guinevere, which came up in about the 12th century. Now, it's all rumoured to have been around about the fifth or sixth century, but it's very unclear whether it actually happened. And there's been so much bastardisation of it over time. It's unlikely it ever happened, really, obviously. So, but you'd know characters Guinevere straight away. And Lancelot, when I mentioned Entry and Merlin, that was the major three I knew about King Arthur. And then he went to Morgan, the Frey, who was the major female buddy and stuff like that. Yeah. But is there anything specific you want me to tell you about this or talk more about it? No, just focus on the good points first and then go to the bad points. Ah, okay. Bad points. Yeah, well, I've read a fair few books of this bit over the years and I've read up this, this before and it does appear to be a mixture of different versions of the legends. And it's clear the author has researched this and used to play. He's done it his own style, basically, some thumbprint on it. And despite the hinting of, for a child book, which is a bit surprising, the hinting of sex and there is a hint of violence on it. It's, if you read reviews, lots of adults have read into the kids and stuff. And it's got one of those books where it's got a slight hint in it. That I think he's crossed very, very carefully with as an author. And he made that work at told that he did so. Cobbs, like, what would you know, for example, Amanda, Arthur's big fault in legends was he basically raped a woman he did and she got pregnant. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's some of the legends, it's Morgan the Frey, which is his sister. So he's basically his sister ends up turning to his wicked sorceress and, and she gets pregnant by her own brother. 
and sent her son, his son, after him. Oh, so that's okay. what I mean. So like, it gets a bit like, you know what I mean? It's a bit of a morally grey area, really. So that's why. So it's it was interesting because I, I didn't necessarily get a lot of anything new out of it because I've read some much better books on this than it, really. But no. But it was good for, for children. It was a very, very good book, I felt. Okay, so are there more good points or do you want to move on? To uh, yeah, I've got one more thing I want to touch on here is Arthur and Merlin. Because this is the bit that was quite interesting. This was Arthur was certainly somewhat more human than I've seen before in the book. He's always been a bit more distant in old books, read and probably a bit more crueler as well. And Merlin, if you've ever seen Merlin, talking about the wizard, he's usually quite, quite a manipulative character, you know, like the puppet master behind the scenes, more really. I yeah. found him very sad and weary for this book, which I think was a nice touch, actually. That's why, so. Okay. Do you want to go into weaknesses? Yeah. I was very disappointed with Gwenevine in this book. She just simply didn't have much to do. Same with Morgan the Frey as well, the other, back, the other female lead. And Lancelot was a bit in the background as well, truth be told you, so. It was one of those ones where I would have liked to see more of them because it just didn't seem have much to do with them and I said because I was disappointed with Guinevere it's probably down to the fact is have you ever read a book called The Mists of Avalon by Marion mm. Zinner Bradley no you should read that I reckon that's another book everyone should read that's the Arthur myths and told through the eyes of the women so you get Morgan the Frey Guinevere the lady, the lady of the Lake and a few other people so it's told through their viewpoints and it's it's a vastly superior book to this one, but it does get it does go on for nine hundred odd pages. Yeah, it's so not, it's a short read before bedtime. Yeah, I might I might go back and read it because I review it for towards the end of the year for reading in bed. It's going to take a while to read that book. We'll do so. I think I've got it somewhere. And like I said, but I felt the use of some of the backing cast to this, and I won't name, was a bit inconsistent in places. And while the setup well great, it's one of those ones where you know. Like, He's telling a story to somebody, aren't you? Yeah. The danger is, tell me if you agree with this. If, say, you get a set-up set beginning where two people meet and they're telling a story, is you get information dumping happening sometimes, don't you? Yeah. And that was a real problem there. It happened way too much for me in that book. This book too much me on personal taste. What I don't like in books is usually if people are having a conversation and they're telling each other things that... They should probably know already. Yeah, that's what I was getting at this place. I felt yeah. about that way in territory being this book. And that was a bit of a major problem area I had with this the book troop told you. Because the other two books I've read, they were much more naturalistic books and were very haunting as well. Perhaps on the Escape Shangri La got a bit ridiculous, but while the Wales came, it was really, really a harrowing book. But it was stood the ground, stood its ground well. But this one, it was it wasn't his best book. Okay, so is there anything more you want to say before you give it a verdict? No. Nope. Should I move on to the market? Yeah. How do you think I'm going to market? I think you might just recommend it, or you might not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a seven, so it gets a recommendation just. It's unfortunately, in Sea Guys and Girls, it's not been a good book, good book for me, the book this month. I've had two no. I didn't really like, and this one, yeah, it, got, it gets on the finish line. It was just not his best book. I like there was for youngsters. I think it's a good one for kids to read to get to know 
as an introduction to Arthur, Arthur Johnny and Myths, but it's not the best book I've read in King Arthur about any structure form. Okay, Amanda, that's me done. Okay. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, 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 okay. Do you want a hint about my next book? And the finale for episode 44. We're going into non-fiction land. Oh, we're about to say we're going into the woods today. The woods today. <laughs> we're going into the woods today. <laughs> no. <laughs> not after the first, not after my first persona book. Definitely not. So <laughs> cool. My little guys and girls then. See you in a minute then. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. Reading and reading in bed. Hey guys, yep, the finale. Episode 44, Reading and Bed. She is, for the last time, Amanda Steele. I am Andy N. So to be Andy Steele. I hope not. <laughs> Mother getting divorced. What, you don't want to carry on my family's legacy. <laughs> Do you want to answer that? <laughs> No comment. Okay, Amanda, what is your last book for the month? Right, so my last book is From Reads to Leads, 11 Principles of Writing Content People Will Read and Respond to. And I'm probably going to mispronounce this author, but I'm going to try and pronounce the name as much as I can. Katerina Ambrosimova. And I hope that's as close as possible to pronouncing the name without going too wrong. <laughs> Right, okay. What made you want to do this, then? So I came across this woman on Reedsy, and she was promoting a content writing book on there. And now, obviously, you know, I do copywriting and content writing, yeah. and I was interested in reading it and reviewing it for the podcast. So she agreed to let me do that. Oh, fair play. No, fair play. No, fair play. So, okay, then. So with this with non-fiction book, I know there's exercises in this book, so... It's a bit of a tricky one to go through. So, so I'm going to have to just talk about this book generally with them. How did you find this book? I don't think you can give it strength and weaknesses in an obvious way this one. No. Um, well, there's 11 different principles that are outlined in this book that help you to write, and there's different exercises related to each one of them. So I worked through them and did some of the exercises and I think the first one was something to do, it was, it's a technical technical one anyway, and it was about writing for business to business. So both areas I don't really have experience in. So I did kind of adapt that one to something that I was more experienced at, and I managed to write something based on that, but I couldn't help feeling like I was probably missing out on the point of learning. Yeah, it sounds like it's one of those sort of books, doesn't it? So, so did you feel that something went over, something wasn't applicable to you then? I think, yeah, but with the different content and different things that she's telling you about in the book, I don't think everything is going to apply to everybody, but I think there's going to be something that everyone can take away from the book. Yeah, it's a, so yeah. So what what are you going to what have you been able to take away from this book then? I've managed to get a few exercises that I'm happy with, which I'm going to add to a different section of my online portfolio, just in case I'm ever applying for freelance work in years and they say, like, this piece of content and say, well, I'm not writing for free for you, but I do have this that fits with it, which is just an example piece of it rather than for a company. 
So hopefully I'll be able to use them for that. Oh, brilliant. Well, good luck with that, haven't So, so do you want to give us an example of what sort of exercises was there, there was there, Amanda? We'd have to go through it in more detail, of course. Um, I don't have access to them on here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah. I did, write one, I did write one that I tailored myself that was, was supposed to be something else, but it just didn't fit with my skills and knowledge that I had. And it was like an advertising copy for um, having dress alterations, which obviously you can tell why I had that on my mind. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I'd have to, have to tell people basically this one. You've, you've had some issues with wedding dresses. They put it nicely in mind, but I haven't worked. Yeah. I had That's... trouble finding somewhere that alters dresses. And I was using some of the advice in the book about like writing about a situation that appeals to a certain customer and trying to sort of, as if you speak it to them rather than, oh, we're going to alter your dress. I was doing it in a way like, have you heard this happen to you? And it was something that had happened to me. And hopefully, other people can relate to. Yeah, yeah, no, I said it's not getting completely under with it. So like I said it's just one of those things really with that. So definitely so. Now, was there anything about this book you weren't that keen or happy with? I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I thought, oh, I might know a lot of it because I've been doing this for 18 months now, but there's an awful lot that even though I've covered a lot, there's still a lot that I haven't covered that I didn't know. So yeah. I, I felt I got something from the book and I'll probably go over it again and maybe redo some of the exercises and just write different things. Because I think it's the kind of thing you can, you can read numerous times and you could write different content for each of the exercises each time you go through the book. Yeah, yeah. No, no, okay. Whatever, so. Yeah, cool, cool. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about this book, man, before you mark it for us? No, I think it's a really useful book. I think if you're doing any kind of content writing or copywriting or even just marketing your own book, I think you should definitely give it a try because you'll get something out of it. Cool, cool. Okay, then, so that's all you've got to say about this book. What mark are you giving this out of 10? I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. Look at everybody. Amanda's done one book, two out of 10, and two 9 out of 10 now, so... That gives us an average, man. You do realize a 20 up to 30 this month, don't it, for you? So, <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. So, no, excellent. Good to me. So, right. Well, anyway, guys and girls, that's our five books this month. Now, what are we doing next month, Mando? Did we say we we're doing that book, that dating book next month? Yeah. And we're also doing the science fiction book. Are we doing book doing that one together as well, are we? Then next, next yeah. month, we? It might be a short episode then, because we can tell people now, uh, we're doing, oh, well, I've certainly read half of this in this book. I've read a, I've read quite an interesting book by a lady called Laurie Hardacker, who's coming in on to, to Spoken Label probably October, November. And I do apologise for the bad language in this book. Her dating book is called Dating What the Fuck, <laughs> which is a fantastic title, Amanda, isn't it? So. Yeah, well, of course, now we've got to click the explicit button when we upload this online. Yeah, unfortunately. And we've also got to do that next month as well. Yes, repeatedly. <laughs> now, we've just got and downloaded it just morning, haven't we, as well? Uh, a sci-fi thriller book by Matthew Fitzsimmons called yeah. Constance, and I've read that right. Yeah. So we've got those two, and I'm guessing we've got, we're going to see how we go for next month, because it's, to be honest with you folks, next month, obviously, we're away when it gets released. 
So this will have to get recorded a bit earlier. So we'll just have to see how we go time-wise, what we get read next month. But certainly it'd be at least two books. And then we're both going to try and do another one each as well, aren't we? So, yeah. So here we go. Anyway, guys and girls, well, that's me done. So it's bye from me. Bye from me. Uh, it's been nice knowing you as Amanda Steele. Yeah, yeah next month. <laughs> Shoot, I'll say, say bye to everybody, Amanda. Yeah, not me. Also, it'll always bye to Amanda Steele. Because next month, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I'll be Amanda. I'm not going to out you just yet. I'll, I'll out you next month. Oh, really? <laughs> right. Seriously, guys. Stay safe. And Don Callis says, stay over. Say bye, Amanda. Bye. See you all next time, guys. Stay safe. Read in the in bed. Read in the bed. Read in bed. Read in the 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 bed. Read